the war in Ukraine really disrupted the fossil fuel supplies and really brought countries the need to be independent in terms of energy. Hello, this is the weekly Tradecast podcast brought to you by UNCTAD, the UN's trade and development body. I'm Sarah Toms. We're exploring how major events are shaping trade and development and how that affects billions of people around the world. This week, we're looking at the future of energy. With the global population rising and supplies of fossil fuels running out, countries must harness other sources of energy to support their economies and people. Energy sustainability and climate change are also major concerns as the burning of oil, gas and coal add to emissions that are heating our planet to dangerous levels. Renewable sources from the power of the sun, the wind and the oceans can boost energy supplies in a cleaner way. There's also synthetic fuels like hydrogen, which can be made using clean electricity and burned without emitting greenhouse gases. So what is the best mix to support energy security and protect the planet? And do we have the technology and the momentum to make a fast transition to a greener future? Joining me now to answer these questions is UNCTAD economist Claudia Contreras, who specializes in trade, the ocean economy, and the environment. Claudia likes watching movies and going for walks. With two small children, she wants to leave them and future generations with a better world to live in and enjoy. Well, welcome to the show, Claudia. Thank you very much, Sarah, for having me. Claudia, give us an idea of all the different kinds of cleaner energy options and how they work. When you talk about renewable energy, you talk about energy that is produced through sources that can replenish themselves. And these include wind power, solar power, hydropower, tidal power, and also geothermal. Geothermal power plants use steam that comes from underground to produce electricity. And then you can talk about cleaner energies, which also include, for example, nuclear energy which is not renewable, however, is considered a low carbon source of energy. When the way of producing the energy and the CO2 emissions associated with it is captured with technologies like carbon capture and sequestration. So you produce the CO2, but you don't let it to be released to the environment. Well, there are certainly a lot of options And there are many more that I'm not mentioning here. (laughs) But not all fuels are equal, are they? So some are better than others at different things. What are the best options to replace, say, gas and oil, for instance? The right mix for each country will depend on the natural resources, whether there is availability of sun, whether they have availability of, of wind, whether they have natural gas, uh, and that will create the specific mix. I would say in terms of renewable, yeah, you have solar, you have wind, they are the most important, they are the ones that are supposed to be deployed the most, but the exact mix will depend on each country and their resources. Why aren't we producing more of these energies? Today, according to the International Energy Agency, other data, we have a quarter of global production of electricity that is produced from renewable sources, okay? Then we have 10% that is come from nuclear energy, and the rest, which is around two-thirds of the total electricity production, comes from coal, gas, and oil. To achieve net zero by 2050, we need 90% of electricity generation coming from renewable sources. So we need to go from around 30, a quarter of 30, to 90%. Of this, 60% should be solar and wind energy, and 30% should come from other renewable and low-carbon energy sources, such as hydro, geothermal, and tidal. There are three main challenges that are affecting the wide adoption of renewable energies. Cost, infrastructure, and reliability. 
even though the cost of renewable energies have decreased significantly, is more expensive than fossil fuels. So that makes them less economically viable for widespread adoption. You need to build a lot of infrastructure to be able to reach the new sources of technology and to make it available to local population. And that is you know, building new power transmission lines to connect you know, the energy that's producing the wind offshore is very expensive. Mm. Also, there is a the challenge of storage of the, these technologies because they are not necessarily reliable. You know, it depends on the weather conditions and, and so on. So then you cannot really today have it as a primary source of energy. The solar panels are expensive to install and maintain. Some countries might not have the capabilities to do these actions, you know, to service these type of products. Wind energy can also is intermittent and it can be controversial because of the impact on wildlife and aesthetic concerns. Some, sometimes there are projects and the community kind of rejects them. This issue of not in my backyard uh, yeah. movement. Additionally, the turbines need to be located in areas with consistent wind patterns so they can work. Then hydroelectric, you also have different challenges because hydrogen uses water to generate electricity, but they also has an impact on the environment because you need to make a, a huge dump and now we have you no know, draw, so sometimes you don't have water. So each type of renewable energy has their own challenges, but uh, efforts are, are, are being underway to overcome them. And it requires not only technological efforts, but also regulation and you know, incentives. Now, we've been talking a lot about renewables, but there are also alternative fuels like hydrogen. Now, what are the benefits and issues with hydrogen? When you produce it without releasing CO2 emissions, then this energy source has the potential to save around like 70% of CO2 emissions. Hydrogen, you can store it, you can move it, then you will be able to use it for later. So that is one of the main opportunities that mm. hydrogen is offering. However, main issues with hydrogen today are the fuel storage and production costs. So it's kind of hard to store the hydrogen. It requires high pressure, low temperature and chemical processes. So uh, there is still uh, some challenges. They might not have the right infrastructure to use this, this type of energy. So a lot of uh, investment in infrastructure and in, in having the capabilities to use it and to deploy it is still needed. And second, in production costs, it's still very expensive. You need to have a lot of renewable energy to produce mm -hmm. it first. But this could change soon, actually, because there is a lot of investment in this, especially now and have been catalyzed with this situation of the energy crisis that we are facing. There are many projects in developing countries in Africa because it's cheaper to produce in these regions. In, in areas where there is a lot of sun, when there is a lot of wind, and developing countries have a real good opportunity here, a trade, a production, and development opportunity they can benefit from. Not so long time in the future, we should see that the price should fall. So the technical challenges are being overcome little by little. Well, that's good news. But I must also ask about the role of a nuclear energy. It is controversial because, you know, the potential for accidents and the risk of nuclear waste disposal that can be harmful to the people and to the environment. There is that big risk. But at the same time, we have the issue today that 
we don't have enough renewable energy. Mm -hmm. So nuclear energy has a role because it could contribute to provide the stability to the system, to provide the constant source of energy to compensate when the other sources of renewables are not producing. The impact on energy security from the war in Ukraine is prompting many countries to double down on fossil fuels too. Is this a temporary setback or does it have longer term consequences for the shift to cleaner energy? Well, you know, the war in Ukraine really disrupted the fossil fuel supplies and the overall markets because Russian Federation is the leading exporter of natural gas and the second largest exporter of oil. The war really brought countries the, the mm. need to be independent in right. terms of energy. So, yeah, we did see a temporary increase in the demand for fossil fuels like coal and liquefied natural gas. Then uh, that's only temporary. The war really acted as a catalyzer for an acceleration of the investment and deployment of renewable energies, uh, particularly solar and wind. Uh, data shows, you know, last year, 80% of the new type of energy was uh, solar. And many projects that were still in the pipeline, they got a green light, not only in terms of the importance of going with renewable energies because we need to reduce emissions, but because it also helps us to reduce the dependency of other countries to achieve energy security and to have a diversified source of energies. Take us forward to 2050. In an ideal world, what would the energy mix be? But in the real world, <laughs> can we actually get there? In an ideal world, we could have nuclear fusion, power the sun and the stars create their power. And if nuclear fusion could be replicated on Earth, then it could provide virtually limitless, clean, safe and affordable energy. However, the question that we really need to ask ourselves is we have a deadline. So we need to be zero emissions, net zero by 2050. But how do we move in that direction, particularly for developing countries? First, we need finance. The energy transition requires $131 trillion of investment by 2050. However, access to capital is the, is the most important barrier for developing countries. Mm -hmm. So without resources, how are we going to move? Second, we need an enabling trade policy because a trade policy can help to accelerate energy transition. It can help to improve market access, to harmonize regulations, to phase out fossil fuel subsidies. Finally, we require investment infrastructure, regulation and national regulations. All this together will help to achieve the target of the Paris Agreement and ensure that the world and countries, the supply of clean, affordable and reliable energy that we need. Thank you, Claudia, for coming on the show and explaining all of that to us. That was Claudia Contreras, this week's guest. Tune into the Weekly Tradecast next week and every week for more insights on the most pressing issues around the world of trade and development. There's even more on our website, unctad.org. I'm Sarah Toms in Geneva. Goodbye for now.